This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here at Mets in the Morning, we never miss a chance to quote from a Seinfeld episode, or as they sang in Hamilton, not gonna miss my shot. That was Hamilton, right? Not Blue Man Group. Anyway, uh, when George and Jerry are pitching their pilot to Russell Dalrymple of NBC, they're told, we like to think of the show as an EKG. It has its highs and its lows. It goes up and down. And George blurts out, this show will be a heart attack. He may as well have been speaking about this year's Mets. Mount McKinley highs, Grand Canyon lows, and now with 25 games left, they are smack dab in a race to win the NL East. Much more mountain than desert of late, including three out of four so far in Washington. Who are these people? Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. Scootily down. Not that it's ever easy. Well, the Mets led 4-0 in the first inning Sunday, led 6-3 soon after, gave the whole thing back, then won it 13-6 on a late touchdown pass from Eli to Plaxico Burris. Josh Lewin with you. Let's zoom out on Google Maps, get an overview of the neighborhood to start here. Losing Brandon Nimmo for the next couple weeks, uh, at least, is suboptimal. He strained a hamstring in the bizarre game that was played on Saturday afternoon. But hey, at one point, the win streak went to a season-long six, which is actually seven if you count like a real person. The Javi Baez Mad Dash walk-off from this past Thursday counts as a win on April 11th, since that's when that game started, all two batters of it. But the important thing is the Mets are still winning enough that the quest for a relevant September has absolutely been achieved. You got three games out with less than four weeks to go. And remember the final three games of the year, head-to-head against Atlanta, which is currently the first-place team, but they got Coors fielded this past weekend, losing ground to both the Mets and Phillies. Strategically, this is our run of operations here on the pod today. We walk you through the Friday night win, the Saturday split, the Sunday football score. Then we'll get you set for the fifth and final game of the series to be played today on Labor Day in our nation's capital, Capiche. I don't do a good capiche. I sound like Michael Scott on The Office when he tries ordering the gabagool. I want spaghetti with a side salad. If the salad's on top of the spaghetti, I will send it back. So, Friday, not the easy breezy type of win the Mets had envisioned earlier in that evening. Rich Hill had completed six shutout innings. Michael Conforto had a run-scoring single. Pete Alonso, a rare RBI triple. But this would end up being the type of win the Mets have often enjoyed this year. Strong bullpen, timely hitting. Back to Hill, he had his best start of his six-week stay as a Met so far. Six shutout innings, three hits. He held Juan Soto to a harmless 0 for 3. That guy's got a 450 OBP. In the bottom of the ninth, with the Mets up 2-0, Edwin Diaz walked Ryan Zimmerman with one out, did so on four pitches, and a bloop to Riley Adams, eluding Brandon Nimmo's diving outstretched glove. The ball rolling behind him, retrieved by Conforto. 
Got a relay throw to the plate that resulted in a collision between the pinch runner Andrew Stevenson and the catcher Chance Sisko. Runner is safe. Sisko is knocked out of the game. Pat Mazika comes on. Following the delay, Diaz recovers to get the last two outs with the winning run at third. And the game goes extras. That would become a theme, by the way. Carter Keyboom, really all he had to do was nudge a sack fly for the Nationals to have won that game, and his failure to do so was massive. The game goes to the 10th, where it quickly became a, a flashback to that game they pulled out on Getaway Day in San Francisco, their most recent road game. Four in the top of an extra inning to pull away and win. And in that one, the big hit had come from Kevin Pillar. In this one, exact same thing. from both. Line drive, a base hit down the left field line. Alonzo rounds third, he'll score. Conforto is going to be waved in as well. The relay throw is too late at the plate. Two-run score. Pilar over to third. And the Mets now on top five to two. Ed Coleman with the call on WCBS. 6-2 would end up being the final in 10. Five straight wins at this point. Six if we're counting the completion of that suspended game, which just happened to be the Javi Baez mad dash lose a $200,000 earring. Sorry, I booed the fans game. And after this game, Luis Rojas met the media talking about the poise shown by his closer, Mr. Diaz, when the game was on the line. Yeah, I mean, that, that's really, uh, it's hard to compare. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a situation where I think the experience, right, at this point may, probably makes him slow things down a little more than what he did a couple of uh, years ago. But going right into the situation, because we did have time to chat a little bit, uh, after the, the play happened, when, when the time run scored, um, because of the play, I had to play with Cisco and, you know, me going out and, and uh, us being uh, close to each other. And he was, uh, he was under control. And uh, he knew what he wanted to do with the batter uh, coming up and, the, and the, the guy following that batter. So that was a really good sign, just watching him just uh, have a good heartbeat uh, and being under control and trusting that he was going to get out of the situation we were going to win that game. So... Uh, yeah, it's experience. I mean, you can't you can't simulate that, right? You got to go through things in your career just to keep getting better, uh, and then the stuff matches up with the experience, and you're able to do some of these things. So, you know, it was special hitter Soto uh, gets help from from the fastball velo that Diaz has, and he's that homer. And uh, you know, the walk I thought I thought hurt him, but defensive play back there, Nemo uh, trying to make a diving catch, and you know, we don't want to hold the guys from being aggressive, but you know. I thought that was, that was a play that allowed the the runner from first base to score. You know, Diaz is a guy that can get out of the inning with BS strikeouts like like he did in the ground ball. But uh, kept his voice, like you said, and uh, yeah, it's, it's come with experience. There's the manager. Diaz ends up with the win after the blown save. The Mets nosing back to the 500 mark with a 6-2 victory. And we should also mention Jonathan Villar, 4-for-4 four four in the Friday night game. And he was just getting started, my friend, when he rolled out 3-for-3 three three in the first three innings Saturday. A 7-for-7 patch on the road at that point. One hit shy of the eight straight Brandon Drury amassed earlier this year. Franchise record is nine, shared by Jose Vizcaino and John Olerud. So Nimmo was 2-for-2 before he hurt his hammy, and the Mets, at that point anyway, were out to a huge lead. It crested at 9 to nothing, Biggest lead of the year on the road at any point this season, until, of course, it wasn't. One of the classic, epic typical Mets gonna Mets moments of the season and we will get to that in a moment Marcus Stroman had been dealing shut out for the first four innings he would end up allowing three runs but no more if you look at the list of most starts with no more than three earned runs allowed among all starting pitchers this year Stroman's on top 
26 of them. Kevin Gossman's got 25. Walker Bueller's got 25. Bueller could very well win the Cy Young. But after Strowman left, as Dr. Evil said to that scary-looking chick in Austin Powers 2, it, it got weird. Uh, a 9-0 lead imploding into a 9-9 tie. And the Nats were actually poised to win it. Scheduled seven-inning game, first game of a doubleheader. Not only had the Mets surrendered nine straight runs to a last-place team, last-place teams got runners at the corners with one out against Trevor May. But for the second straight game, after Washington ties it in its last at-bat and has a runner at third, just one out, they failed to get that sack fly to win it. Friday night, it was Carter Keyboom who struck out against Diaz. Saturday, it was Gerardo Parra against Trevor May. And when May also got the rookie Kelbert Ruiz to fly out to center, we went on to a second extra inning. And that's when Francisco Lindor took the wheel. The ghost runner aboard Lindor with a chance to say, give me back that lead. Two balls and one strike on Lindor, the pitch. That's driven in the air. That's deep to right field. Soto's looking back. If it's fair, it's gone. It's gone. Home run, Francisco Lindor. The Mets are back on top. It's 11-9. Lindor has played in two day games of day-night doubleheaders in Washington this year. And in those games, six for eight, three home runs, nine runs batted in. Overall, long ball number 12 for Lindor this year, number 150 of his career. The four-time All-Star starting to show some of that Mr. Smile thing again, and certainly it helps when there are things to smile about, or about which to smile, if I'm going to be grammatically correct. The Mets have still never blown a nine-run lead and lost, ever. But that one was a little too close. And here's a pop culture deep cut. 30 years ago on Saturday Night Live, Tom Hanks was the guest star, and the premise of the skit is that he's running a meeting of the Mr. Belvedere fan club. Mr. Belvedere was a sitcom that starred Bob Euchre as the overmatched dad and his butler slash babysitter was this English guy, Mr. Belvedere. So uh, some of the members of this Mr. Belvedere fan club bring up a motion that they should kidnap Mr. Belvedere and put him in a, a huge glass jar. Begrudgingly, since there's a motion on the floor, a vote is taken. And as Tom Hanks says, well, the motion fails, but guys, it shouldn't have been that close. That's the catchphrase takeaway here. The Nationals' nine-run rally failed, but fellas, it shouldn't have been that close. All right, survive in advance. The Mets were playing a couple men down in game two of the Saturday double dip. Not only was Nimmo hurt, Dom Smith had left the team for the weekend going on the bereavement list, and Dom is showing flashes lately of being his old self. He's got a, a month left to improve his numbers here. Right now, he's 134th in OPS. Last year, he was 7th. And it's important to remember, Hugh Quattlebaum, the hitting coach, has indicated, you know, Dom's been playing through some injuries here, wrist injuries, groin injuries. Dom has downplayed it, but you wonder about the aches and pains. On balance, Dom's season hasn't looked anything like his breakout 2020 when he was just destroying breaking balls and off-speed stuff. This year has not been as kind, but uh, his bat will be needed if the Mets are going to continue this push towards October. Game two of the doubleheader, Tyler McGill allows a leadoff homer to Lane Thomas in the first inning and a two-run shot to Alcides Escobar in the fifth. Four total runs given up. It was enough to beat the Mets despite a late home run from Kevin Pillar, who's going to be starting a lot in Nimmo's absence. Lane Thomas, by the way, nice little pickup for Washington, former Cardinal who was part of a triple-A infield three years ago that was insane. If you followed the 2018 Memphis Redbirds, and I don't know why you would, but 
at various times in their outfield that year. They had Lane Thomas, Patrick Wisdom, Tyler O'Neill, Adolis Garcia, Luke Voigt, Oscar Mercado, Carson Kelly, and Randy Rosarena, all spending time in that outfield. Do you know what you even had Memphis Redbird season seat holders? You had a home run champion, a rookie of the year, playoff hero, a likely rookie of the year this year, and Lane Thomas, who would hit a, another leadoff home run Sunday as well. But anyway, bottom line of the nightcap of the Saturday doubleheader, the Mets were undermanned, a little bit uninspired. Lindor and Baez had both just played four hours in the hot sun in game one. Neither man started game two. So the win streak was over. Mets are back to 500, gaining a bit on the Braves, though, who had lost a second straight game in Denver. That made the Mets just three and a half in back of Atlanta as we rolled into Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And even though that long win streak had just been stopped, even though Nemo was the latest teenager to disappear from the slasher movie, the fact is, yeah, the Mets had chopped an eight and a half game deficit down to three and a half. It was a win streak during which the following things happened. They learned Noah Syndergaard tested positive for COVID. They endured the controversy set off by Baez with the thumbs down celebration. They had a game postponed because of the remnants of Hurricane Ida. They had acting general manager Zach Scott get arrested for a DWI. That's what happened during the good times. What a freaking season this is. Pitching matchup Sunday, Taiwan Walker in his 389 ERA for the Mets. Josiah Gray with a 473 for Washington. He was part of the blockbuster trade that sent Scherzer and Trey Turner to L.A. And the Mets clobbered Gray. First five runners reaching base to open the game. Four of them scored, but Walker gave back three of those runs in the bottom of the inning. And by the time he was gone, he'd given up six runs, and the game was tied. Half a dozen to a half a dozen halfway through. Walker's first half ERA, 2.6. Second half, 7.4. We've talked about it, but it bears repeating. The dude pitched only 67 innings between 2018 and 2020. He's up towards 140 now this year alone. It is not for sure that DeGrom is coming back. They need Taiwan Walker to dig deep and find a way to get back to what he was. So at 6-6, the Mets looking to break the tie in the top of the eighth. Bases loaded, nobody out. They settled for just this. One ball, one strike, the pitch. Mazika to high fly, center field, shallow, coming in. Thomas sliding, makes the catch. Baez tagging from third. Thomas throws home, it's cut off. Baez scores the go-ahead run. Mazika with a sack fly, and the Mets take a 7-6 lead. Wayne Randazzo on WCBS. All right, better than nothing. But the big inning wouldn't show up until the ninth. Austin Voth, who pitched Friday in a tie game for Washington and gave up four runs in one inning, Oh, he would outdo himself this time. And once again, right in the middle of it all, the vagabond veteran outfielder, Kevin Pillar. Pitch. Pillar drills one. Left center field. This is deep. This is long gone. A grand slam. Kevin Pillar hits it into the first row beyond the Mets bullpen in left center field. And the Mets have scored six in the ninth inning. They now lead 13-6. to six. Ah, the old Sunday salami. No Nimmo, no problem. 16 hits for the Mets on Sunday, including a 4-for-4 four four from Baez. He had a homer and a steal. First game like that for a Met since Kevin McReynolds in July of 1988, when you can check all those items off the list. Back then, I looked it up. The number one song was Stevie Winwood's Roll With It. 
Something every Met fan should just try and do here and down the stretch. Just roll with whatever happens. Chances are there will be turbulence on this flight. Sidebar on Kevin McReynolds. It traded Kevin Mitchell to get him. He and Daryl Strawberry had wonderful seasons in 88. They split the MVP, essentially, that ended up going to Kirk Gibson instead. Uh, let's just say McReynolds was laid back, never smiled. Famously on a national telecast, Tim McCarver once offered a $1,000 reward or bounty to any cameraman who caught Kevin McReynolds smiling during the game that day. Average season as a Met, 24 homers, 87 runs batted in. Back then, that's really solid. He had a 21 of 21 stolen base season, led the league in outfield assists, but just devoid of passion. He had arrived just two months after the 86 World Series. A guy that Joe McElvain really wanted. McElvain had wanted him out of college in 81, but Mets doctors thought he was a health risk. Does that sound familiar? Go all the way back to 81, that was a thing. So the Mets regrettably chose Terry Blocker in the first round instead, but finally the Mets traded for McReynolds before 87. Uh, Back to Baez. Baez is basically Dave Kingman with a gold glove. I get it. He's got a career OBP exactly the same as Dave Kingman, 302. Uh, But it all worked out fine this weekend. Four hits Sunday, three for Alonzo Sunday, two each for VR, Conforto, McNeil, and the man who came back from the broken nose earlier this summer. Yes, after the game, Kevin Pillar, suddenly a power plant, got on the old Zoom call. Hey, Kevin, you're on quite a, a personal streak at the plate right now. Four home runs in your last seven games, a couple of doubles. Uh, what particularly have you been doing well during this stretch for you? Um, I mean, not playing all the time. It's easy to sit on the bench and hope you get an opportunity. I've just stayed ready for my opportunity. It's unfortunate Nemo went down again. Um, but I'm prepared. I work every day as if I'm going to play every day. Constantly making adjustments um, and really just, uh, it's not funny, but I'm, I'm trying to pull the ball a little bit less. I'm trying to let the ball travel a little bit more. Uh, I've been getting good results, but I'm just, I'm, I'm confident in my ability. I'm just, I'm going out there trying to help this team win. Uh, I'm valuing, just trying to be, give the team a good at bat every time, try to make the pitcher work. Uh, I'm hunting damage um, and I'm trying to make them work and just trying to give good at bats and, and not always going to get the results, but I know when I walk up to the plate, I'm going to make the pitcher work. And if he makes a mistake, I'm going to try to make him pay. You've, you've talked about the adjustments that you've been making throughout the season. You said you're still kind of learning yourself as a hitter. Uh, why, at least recently, has the adjustment been you wanted to try and pull the ball less? What is it about the way that your swing is that you're, you're feeling that's the way to go? Yeah, I mean, I, I think naturally I'm a pull hitter, so trying to pull... Uh, pushed my contact point out a little bit more. It made me uh, a little more susceptible to the off-speed pitch. Um, so I'm just trusting my ability that I'm short and quick on the pitch in. I've, I've been a pole hitter my whole life since I was a little kid. It's something I don't have to try to do. It's just something where I react in. And uh, moving a little bit closer to plate, moving a little bit up in the box, just kind of changed uh, my field a little bit. Sometimes you get stuck in the back of the box. You know, breaking balls don't quite get there. Been able to move up, been able to move closer to home plate, uh, kind of challenge pitchers to try to come into where I like the ball. Um, and it's helped me kind of decipher the outer half of the play a little bit. I was able to lay off some tough pitches tonight and um, just continuing to work, trying to, trying to you know, be the best version of myself every time I step on the field. Still feel like I got a lot of game left in me and just trying to go out there and help this team win, help this team get back on track and, and get us to where we think we, we should go.
Next up is Justin Toscano. Hey, Kevin, given that you guys as an offense as a whole haven't had a lot of times this season where multiple guys have been clicking at the same time, does it feel sort of relieving to, to be at a place where a lot of you guys seem to be now hitting the ball hard at the same time? Yeah, I mean, it's a huge relief. You know, you don't feel like as if one person uh, has to carry the team. We were confident in all eight guys we roll out there. We're confident with Ty, too, when he's at the plate. Miguel's been swinging pretty good. Shro always gives us a good at-bat, but... You know, that's just kind of how the season goes. You know, I think we all collectively got off to a slow start. You know, we were able to have moments where individuals were able to carry us, uh, you know, when we weren't clicking offensively. Um, and then we went through a stretch, uh, you know, towards the end of last month. We faced some really good pitching. We faced some really good teams. You know, we weren't able to kind of execute, um, you know, and dating back to that Homer Conforto hit uh, that won us the game, you know, that was kind of the, the hit we had been looking for as a team, you know, a guy in runner runners in scoring position, close ball game. He comes up with that hit. It allows everyone to kind of believe that we can do it. We talk about doing it. Sometimes you got to see it in action to, to really believe you can do it. And, you know, I think, you know, hopefully that's something we can look back as a turning point on, on our season where, you know, he came off the bench ready to hit, uh, drove in some big runs there and, you know, things kind of been rolling for us since, Thanks to Kevin Pillar, that's the veteran bat that may end up being a really big deal down the stretch. Former 32nd round pick Kevin Pillar. And the Mets, up big, get caught, win game. It is all coming together, baby. 69 and 68 with 25 games to go. Not to bring the room down, but no matter how much time Nimmo misses, that's a blow. Now, they've relied on him as a spark plug all year. He's only played 77 games, but... 302 batting average, OPS of about 840, five homers, five steals. Uh, been leading off a lot before VR started doing it. Over the last four years, only Mike Trout and Juan Soto have a higher on-base percentage than Brandon Nimmo. So there's that to deal with, and the schedule, we remind you, is not exactly an asset. Now, the Mets have 10 more games against the Nationals and Marlins. That's good. And, um, you know, they've got also six against the Phillies and the Braves. Those head-to-heads are what you want right now. But they also have 11 against the Yankees, Cardinals, Red Sox, and Brewers. Those teams are getting after it. The Braves have 16 games left against the Nationals, Marlins, and Diamondbacks. Those are teams that are near or at the bottom of their respective divisions. And the Phillies, 20 of their last 29 are against the Marlins, Rockies, Cubs, Orioles, and Pirates. That's the non-conference cupcake schedule of all time. That's home games against Prairie View and Alabama A&M. Schedule-wise, do have to shout out MLB. They got one thing right. They scheduled Mets and Yankees for September 11th. And 14 members of the 2001 Mets are going to be at City Field this coming Friday for the opener of that series. There will be a ceremony on September 11th, the Saturday game, to mark the 20-year anniversary of the unspeakable. Between now and then, got the day game today. Trevor Williams, who's been a godsend for the Mets since coming in from Chicago. For the Nationals, Patrick Corbin, who's just lost it. The Central New York native, 7-14 this year, with a Manhattan area code for an ERA. Not 2-1-2, which would be good. No, 6-4-6, which would be bad. After the Labor Day game, it's on the road for three against Miami, where the humidity is expected to be 535%. I hear the music, and that means we got to go. So let's introduce you to the Mets in the Morning House Band. We appreciate those guys all the time. On keyboards, 
It's Steve Beezer. Slapping the bass. Octavio Dotel. The horn section. Give it up for Darren Oliver. And on that downbeat on the drums, Jason Hardke. Thank you very little. The Mets with a win on Sunday. Three out of four in Washington so far. Three and a half games out. Down the stretch they come. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take care.